we're live because the music's not playing for whatever reason. Oh, okay, sure. But we're welcome live. to the bat around. Hey, thank you. I'm sorry for that. Sorry for that abrupt Peanuts. beginning. Right? Yeah. Peanuts. Stand the fan. That sounds just as boring <laughs> as boring in person as it does during the recording. How you feeling, Mister Heist? I'm good. What's up? What all, a great game last all night. All three of us. Uh, well, Kyle not totally included, but all of us uh, shared uh, large chunks of that game. Uh, with one another last night, a game that didn't end till three. What about three thirty-five East Coast time? Uh, about that, yeah. And it's seven hours and twenty minutes total. The longest game in both time-wise and innings-wise. Well, in World know, Series history. Well, innings-wise in World Series history, but playoff-wise, I mean, I covered the game between the Nationals and uh, the Dodgers too. Right. Uh, which had that uh, was the Jordan Zimmerman. Uh, Is that the one where he took out the pitcher? For, right, uh, Matt Williams Matt took Williams out took Jordan out Zimmerman Jordan after Zimmer. he retired 20 straight right. and two out in the ninth inning, and they brought in Drew Storen, and he walks the next guy, and winds up, they wind up tying the game, and we go 18 innings. Right. So, wow. Anyway, this game ended on the East Coast. For those of us who had to get up roughly 8 o'clock this morning, we hope to, on Saturday mornings, it made it a little bit tougher, but... Uh, Boy, I couldn't take my eyes off of that game. It was really riveting. Uh, riveting, and uh, and you hit the nail on the head. The big play, and I forget what inning it was. Was it the fifteenth? I think so. Sixteenth, when the Red Sox got the first two guys on against Kenta Maeda. Right, he and, walked them both, didn't he? Uh, walked. Uh, no, I think one of them was a walk. One of them was an infield uh, hit. Okay, or not hit, but okay. you know, but. Anyway, the guy, you know, they lay down the bunt. Maeda turns around in uh, cat-like quickness to get off the mound and grab that ball and then throw the runner out at third, get the lead runner. Uh, Huge huge play play in the game. Uh, Just as huge for them as it was, well, you know, if Nunez doesn't fall into the stands catching that foul ball, then, you know, the the runner at first never gets to second base, and uh, that allowed the the Dodgers to to tie it back up. It was a a remarkable game, and it included a couple remarkable pitching performances, one by 24-year-old Walker Bueller, who went seven shutout innings. Two hits, I think. Two hits, struck out seven. No walks. No walks, too. Uh, and really, uh, and you don't say this often about the Red Sox, he really overmatched their big bats in that lineup. I mean, they really could not catch up to him. A lot of people criticized Dave Roberts for taking him out at, at, at all uh, with the, that type of performance, saying, ah, the analytics be damned. I don't have as big a problem with taking him out after seven as I do. I thought Dave Roberts' decision – Considering Kenley Jansen and what he's been in 2018, where he's given up 13 home runs in 72 innings compared to nine home runs the previous two years in 137 innings, I've watched a lot of late-night baseball, Craig, where he's given up home runs late in ballgames, and I watched him earlier in the postseason give it up. I just thought trying to get six – and look – I'd have more to, more ammunition if he'd given up with two outs in the ninth inning, gave it up with two outs in the eighth inning, came back in the ninth and was very tough. I just thought asking him to get six outs was well, a, I big, think, a big ask. I don't think he would have saw that if the game would have remained one nothing. 
Uh, but once they tied the game on the home run, then I think that maybe swayed Robert's decision a little bit because the the perfect thing would have been to have him in the eighth and then turn around and, and throw Baez in the ninth. I don't think that's the. I don't think that's what he was aiming at doing. I think he was going to. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think so at all. Baez has thrown the ball so damn well in this series that I think that if it came down to it, he would have pitched the ninth inning if they had the one nothing. Agree lead. with that? Uh... I mean, I could understand the argument, frankly, but it's you parse all these decisions so closely, and then if they all work, then you're going to be crediting them. But no, like, but I mean, do you agree that he was going to pitch Jansen the eighth, and if he had kept the shutout, he was going to go to Baez in the ninth? I think he you was think he was clearly, going for two innings with Jansen. I think he was. Clearly, I don't know. Their closer role has sort of been in flux yeah, this year, yeah. based on it hasn't been all the right. lockdown. For just the reason that you said is because Jansen coming back off the injury, he hasn't been as sharp. Uh, last night I thought he threw the ball well. He just, you know, he yeah. made a mistake. To, yeah. 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 Anyway, so. it was uh, remarkable. Then uh, so I got off on a sidetrack there uh, with uh, the performance by Bueller, but the performance that even Trump Bueller's performance was that of Nathan Eovaldi, yeah, oh, who yeah. was just absolutely brilliant. What did he throw, 99 pitches? Nine, 97 pitches, I think. And, and how many and, innings? Uh, what inning did he come in? Innings six innings. Six yeah. innings. He was just absolutely... And, and he had to bat three times. That was the other that thing. That was the other thing, yeah. He was <laughs> you, absolutely... You were expecting him to come out with, for a pinch hitter, and he had, they had to send him back out there. I, I got to also ask you both a question. Did you like... Woods was his last pitcher, correct? Yes, that sounds right to me. Um, or, or he could have gone technically to Rayu after after Woods, but yeah. Woods was the last sort of clean pitcher that right. he had. Uh, did you like having Urias pitch to like uh, was it one inning or two he, batters? He threw, he threw one inning. I, I just thought pinch hitting with Clayton Kershaw made no sense whatsoever. I'm at that point where I'm at. I'm with where the Red Sox are with Ivaldi. I'm saying they could have been gotta, there for, with Kershaw. They, no, I'm I'm saying they could have had Urias pitch two Long or man. three. Oh, okay, and and then had I Woods for saying. two or three. They were going to run out of pitchers. Yeah, but as it turned out, I mean, <laughs> Kershaw almost got himself a base hit in that situation. So the big question is: Do we have a World Series on our hands? Oh, now? I think so too. Right now, we do because. Uh, I, I understand it like the old Earl Weaver adage, you're only as good as your next day starting pitcher, right. the momentum. But who's going to start whoever, today for well, Boston? Well, for Boston. Rodriguez? Uh, no, I'm not so sure about that uh, right now. That's going to be determined uh, later. But Rodriguez what do you think threw the an inning last are? You night. Mean sa- sale? Uh, sale, it's quite possible he could come back and move, get moved up a day on three days rest. All right. I, now, I'm going to be – I've all, often criticized the Dodgers for how they've handled Clayton Kershaw with bringing him back often, too often in the playoffs on three days rest. I would – if I were the Dodgers to really try and seize momentum in this series, I would pitch Kershaw today, tonight, rather than Rich Hill. Your thoughts? Rich Hill's been so good in that ballpark, and he's crafty, and uh, whenever they send him out there and they need a big effort, they usually get him. So I have absolutely no problem with Rich Hill going out there tonight. Okay. I mean, their rotation is stacked. I mean, you saw with Bueller being their third choice. Like yeah. Some people thought he should have gone out before Ryu, but Ryu right. pitched so well this year that you yep. can't argue with that choice. It seems like the Dodgers, that's why I liked them coming out of the NL, because of their pitching. The reason I like 
Kershaw on three days rest, I mean, right now, Mm -hmm. is because if they hold him to the fifth game to start him, that means he can't start game seven. Sure. So I'm guessing that Hill would end up starting game seven. If it went to seven, I'm thinking Hill starts game seven in Fenway Park. I'd sure much rather have Clayton Kershaw starting the game. I'm not saying at this point in time you're going to expect to get six or seven innings. Right. To me, then you've got Hill coming in like in the fourth or fifth inning. Well, I think a lot innings. of it depends on rest, too. Yeah. And if you, if you start Hill in that situation, you can always bring Kershaw in out of the bullpen. If it's a game seven, all hands are on deck at that point. I understand that. I understand and I also that. do think there's something to be said about it. If this were maybe a few years ago, mm-hmm. I think you would absolutely make every effort to make sure Kershaw's lined up for game seven. Yeah, but I think is, the difference between Kershaw and the other guys, right, is, is, is less. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. Fascinating game last night. Uh, guests on the show this morning, Andrew Stetka, who writes for the son of Bill Stetka, the Orioles uh, president of alumni affairs. Uh, Andrew Stetka writes for the for Masson.com and also the Utah Street Report. Uh, Orioles ex-pitcher and now um, broadcaster who does the pregame show at 105.7 The Fan with um, uh, Bob Haney. And that is Ross Grimsley will mm-hmm. join us at 1045. Mike Gibbons, the executive director, or actually he's an executive director emeritus now of the Babe Ruth Museum. The Babe Ruth Museum and the Sports Boosters of Maryland are teaming up for quite an event, an evening with the 83 Orioles, which is coming up on November the 7th. Um, this is the 35th anniversary of their World Series win, and that is our city's last World Series victory uh, or appearance. Bill Latson of MLB.com, we've got him scheduled for 11:20, and then happy to announce that we've got uh, ex-Oriole pitcher and now supposedly retired uh, uh, professional pitcher Steve Johnson is going to join us just before he and the family go out to watch University of Maryland play today. Uh, who, who does Maryland play? Illinois today? at 3.30. That should be a good game. Yep. Lovey Smith. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. before we um, uh, get to our first guest and uh, before we really dig into baseball, uh, did you have any ass- assessment of the early report that the, the reports released about the report on on the toxic environment at well, the it was, University of it was, it was determined it was not a toxic environment. Right. I'm saying the reported. Uh, yeah. You know. Okay. Your thoughts on what that does for any of the parties involved? Well, what it does. Wallace Lowe. Uh, I Damian, think they're all out. <laughs> you think they're all oh, out? Oh, absolutely. Okay. You got you, you to gotta do that and, and, and just kind of tear that program down, or, or not the, the program itself, but just the whole athletic department in that regard because of what happened and it all happened on their watch. And right now, I'm thinking DJ Durkin is probably less uh, responsible uh, than maybe some of the others involved. And, and that doesn't make it right. I really do think that the whole thing and the farce that they're doing where the doc, they found it to be non-toxic is, yeah. is a joke. If you really read the report and see what they were doing and subjecting these players but to, you wonder like, what how is much, toxic, you know? Right, but you wonder, like, their strength and conditioning coach sure, sure. sounds like, I mean, he sounds, sounds like, like oh, this, guy's, real this guy's a maniac. Piece of work, right? Yeah. But like at the same time, it's 
you have to know who's under you and who you're employing and who's on your staff and I've what seen, they're capable of. I've seen Craig bully people <laughs> at the uh, at the press box. Cafeteria. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he throws their food off. Well, get out of my get out of my way. It's the old John Panette. Grab and move. <laughs> The late John Panette. Oh, my God. He's so funny. Uh, all right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> grab it and get out yeah, of the way. Grab it and get out of the way. That's right. Um, Andrew Stetka is going to join us in just a few minutes tonight uh, at Dodger Stadium. Game time, same, about 8.09. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, again, Rich Hill is the announced starter for. Let's, let's hope we're done by 3 in the morning. Yeah. Well, I don't have to get up so early tomorrow. Well, that's true. Except there's a, a game in London tomorrow. Well, then, that's Eagles, right, 9.30, yeah. Eagles, Eagles and, Jags. and Jags. yeah. Well, I'm having a hard time. It's the one game of the week I cannot quite figure out which side to, to go on. Eagles are favored in my pool three and a half points. The Jaguars, you know, Jaguars – uh, are like three and zero in their last three games in London. They're familiar, more familiar than they're more familiar with it. But does that mean anything? They're playing the way poorly. they're play- yeah. really been playing like horse hockey lately. No, I, I still think the Eagles are going to win that game. Um, but I, frankly, the Eagles have been confusing as well after that seventeen to nothing deficit they gave a, up. The Eagles have had a very sort of, it, it, I won't call it a typical. But isn't it seem like it's like the kind of sleepwalking a little bit? They're like sleepwalking after the uh, fact, you know, uh, just not quite the same team. I think it started with the fact that Carson Wentz wasn't ready. Uh, The poor performances by Nick Foles exacerbated the need for Wentz to step back in, and I don't think he was really quite ready. He hasn't been the problem. He's played. Very well, frankly, for having come What's back their from problem? the ACL. More defense. It or? seems like well, they run game has been really deficient. They lost right. they lost Ajayi for the year, and That's then now right. they don't really have anybody they're leaning on in that regard. Um, but they're kind of just coming up to speed. The defense hasn't been as good as they had hoped, and their defensive line has had some has injuries Nada as well. Played? Nada and Jernigan have both been banged up, I banged think, throughout up. the year. So they're a little bit depleted, but I, I, I expect them to still round into shape. All right. That's an interesting division there, isn't it, Craig? It With is. the Washington Redskins, a chance to well, not again. grab a stranglehold. But if they beat the Giants tomorrow, which I think we'd agree they should. But the Giants but, are 2-1 and one against Washington at and the Meadowlands? No, no, no. Two and one over the course of games over the last couple of years, but then two and nineteen against the rest of the league. <laughs> wow. So that's that's something the Redskins have to overcome. Understand it's a division game. Understand that you're going up there uh to play on the road against the I mean, whenever they get together it's always a, a, a it's a physical game, uh and quite frankly Defensively, the Redskins are better than I thought they would be. Right. Uh, offensively, Adrian Peterson has performed miraculously in the first part of this season, and we're almost to the halfway point now. Uh, but for for that team to get it going and and to do what they need to do, Alex Smith has got to perform better. We're seeing the Alex Smith of two years ago, as opposed to the one the Redskins decided to trade for. And bring him here, and after knowing that they weren't going to re-sign Kirk Cousins, yeah. So I mean, but I mean, you're getting the Alex Smith that can't throw the ball any more than ten to fifteen yards down the field, and uh, 
Uh, he's not been the most accurate guy so far this year, and uh, we'll see what happens with the offense. But uh, So what have the Redskins done well enough to be in first they've place? Run in the that they've run the football and, and the defense, defense has yeah, played well. Absolutely. Who's their defensive coordinator? Uh, don't ask me. I forget. It's not the uh, former Raiders head coach, no, is it? No, no, no. no. Okay. No. All right. Anyway. All right. That uh, all is stuff for tomorrow. Uh, we're talking baseball. Uh, guys, before we grab uh, Andrew Stetka, uh, kind of a, a little bit of a downer week for the Orioles. They recouped a tiny bit. Uh, a lot of fans were excited with the prospect of signing one or both of the Mesa brothers uh, or failing that, thinking, well, now they'll redouble their efforts to sign Sandy Gaston, the pitcher. They lose out on the Mesas to the Marlins, which wasn't a huge surprise as the Marlins gobbled up um, international signing money, money over the last two weeks, uh, like Pac-Man, and uh, then. But I think what was surprising was the Tampa Bay Rays uh, outbidding the Orioles on Sandy. Yeah, Gaston. and you kind of you kind of wonder what's going on there because the Orioles certainly were in a position with more money uh, than the Rays uh, with in the inter- international slot money. Uh, so you kind of wonder what's going on there. But the four guys, uh, Kevin Infante from Cuba, 18-year-old. He's an outfielder. Angel Gomez, the outfielder out of Venezuela, 17 years old. Uh, Kelvin LaRoche, uh, 19-year-old out of the Dominican Republic. He's a right-handed pitcher. And the prized return, you know. Right. Return of the prodigal son to the Orioles organization. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. And, as, uh, as Machado. Gilbert Machado, 17-year-old shortstop out of Venezuela, right. A Machado. So, so we may have another Machado at shortstop before long. Yeah, a lot of names in that game last night. Uh, Machado, what, one for seven? Sure. Betts, Betts 0 for one 7. For, Betts, oh, 0 for Betts, 7. And Betts and Bogarts and together Bogarts were combined were 0 for 15, or Something right? like that, yeah. I think Bogarts was 0 for 8. It was a crazy game. And it turned out Bogarts was probably hurt a little bit toward the back end of that game because every time he swung hard in the box, you could see him limping around. And, well, he and, got cleated pretty hard. Yeah, he got yeah. Cle- cleated pretty hard, yeah. I mean, I, Who cleated him? Justin Turner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the Orioles' international signings are kind of like, look, they have to do something with that money, but there's not enough guys out there right now to spend it all on, I feel like. I, look, I, I kind of disagree with that notion. The problem is – that the coverage they've given the other guys, like a lot of teams, but I mean, we have probably the weakest coverage sure, sure, sure. in all of baseball. I think Ben Badler, who we tried to get on the show today, he's at some Dominican showcase today, so he couldn't uh, do the show. He told me a year ago that there's so much talent down in Latin America mm-hmm. that he, he even suggested, he said, if the Orioles were smart and didn't want to fully engage for the price of a, a utility infielder, sure. basically two to three million dollars, he said they could sign fifteen, twenty arms Completely agree. at a hundred thousand apiece, and maybe three or four of them but that's could a, turn out to be something. The difference is the timing of it all. It happens two weeks after July second, or when the guys right. that are actually desirable are going in the pool that's left over in October. The fact that there were three guys that were thought of at that time in the mesas. And Gaston was was kind of unique in its own right. But right. people talked about the fact that after those three, it was just kind of a group of of guys who weren't taken in that first round, you know? Mm-hmm. The leftovers, if you will. And the fact that these guys are 17 and 18 doesn't necessarily, well, you know. I mean, like, how many players are we talking about that go, at like, July the 2nd? That's I mean, like, a couple it's like a, hundred? It's a feeding frenzy. It's, it's like a couple it's hundred? At least, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well. 
I still think there's plenty of talent there. I think it just needs to be identified. It's not and impossible I, these guys hit. That's not to say that's yeah, not. But it's, yeah. it's just you would think like the amount of money these guys are getting is less than 100000 I would have to think. Uh, it sounded like they were about uh, 600000 700000 between the four of them. So we'll see. Or they actually announced five of them. I think the figure I heard was $750,000 roughly. Fair enough. Uh, so the Orioles still have – about $5.7 million, $5.6 million to try and uh, work some magic out of uh, Cuba mm-hmm. and Latin America. And I think a lot of this, Craig, is whomever the Orioles uh, do sign as an executive, what connections that person and, his, and that person's GM might immediately hit the ground running. Well, with. and that brings me to my next question is that are you surprised that Really, something isn't in the pipeline here to kind of make an announcement as to maybe who. The, I mean, they've got to get this going. Yeah, they have to get it going. But I, I, I think it has something to do with the respect for the World Series. They want to just get past the World Series, and then I think next week you're going to see this announcement made. Uh, joining us right now, he writes for MassInSports.com. He also writes for the Utah Street Report. Is our friend Andrew Stetka? Andrew, how have you been? I'm okay, just trying to wake up after a late night, as I know you guys experienced as well. What, did you get lucky last night? What do you mean it was a no. late night? What do you mean it was a late night? Only, only he's Max he's married, that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, were you up uh, till the uh, the last out was recorded? I was. I was fighting, dozing off on the couch, uh, but I, I, I did stay up and, and watch the end of it, and uh, immediately after, kind of, Rolled into bed and and fell right asleep. I bet you did. Wow. I bet you yeah. did. We thank you for getting up as early as you are uh, this morning out in Arizona, where it's only seven twenty-two. But then again, that game ended. What time was it? Twelve thirty-five out there. Yeah, just about twelve thirty-five. Oh, so you got a nice. Amount well, now wait of sleep. a minute. Are you are you on three hours or two hours? Three. Hours, right now we're on three. After okay. next weekend, we'll go back, back to, being to two. On that. Okay. All right. Um, any thoughts you had specifically on the game last night before we get into talking about Orioles? Uh, I just find it so fascinating how these teams use their bullpens not only in the playoffs but in you know in a situation like last night where it goes 18 innings and and they're kind of become no options, especially in a National League game where you know a guy like Nathan Ivaldi has to hit a, hit a, a number of times after going uh, so deep into it. I mean, it's just it was fascinating to me. I mean, you, you had a situation last night where Clayton Kershaw pinch hit. I mean, it's just, it gets really weird and, and kind of wacky. And I, I like the aggressiveness from both teams in, in, in going that direction. Um, and I think it makes it really interesting for the series going forward. I mean, these teams have practically already played four games, yep. yet only three of them have counted. So it, it, it makes it really interesting going forward over the next few days as to how the how the managers will use their uh, their pitching staff. And I heard you guys talking a little earlier about, you know, who will start tonight, um, you know, who will start tonight, who will start tomorrow. It's, it's, it's all kind of a big question, and it makes it really fun to watch. Well, we know Rich Hill is going gonna, is gonna to go for the Dodgers, and now it's just a matter of, and, and really the Red Sox haven't determined yet until there's an announcement made a little later on this morning. I find it Right, hard. I mean, I, I guess they I, could go with Chris Dale, they could go with uh, Pomerantz, right? Yeah. He's available. It, it's really hard to believe they would start Pomerantz, though. He hasn't, I mean, he. I know he was warming up in the bullpen last night, but if they really had any measure of real confidence in Pomerantz, 
I didn't think they were going to bring him in. You know, you would have brought him in after Ivaldi, because Ivaldi's basically spent now for three or four days. Yeah, and Sale would seem to be the the answer, but, you know, I mean, especially because he only went, what was it, four at a batter in right. game one. Yep. But he was also coming off of everything with his hospitalization, and nobody really knows truly what was going on there. So you don't exactly know, you know, I mean, if he can come back on short rest. I'm sure he can, but how deep he can go in a game tonight, and, and who knows if this one – uh, goes uh, longer than nine innings as well, just how taxing it, it would be on these rosters. It's not like these teams can can dip into the minor leagues and call players up willy-nilly like you can in the regular season. I mean, this is the roster they have, and they've got to um, both go at it for, for potentially seven games. Andrew, the, the decision to pinch hit Kershaw for Urias after Urias had pitched either one full inning or two-thirds of an inning, I forget. I think it was one full inning. Um, with where Evaldi, I mean, it ends up playing out in the Dodgers' favor. They win the game. But it struck me as really odd when I've got them down to really on fumes and I've got Alex Wood and and, and uh, Rayu, and they're just about out of pitchers virtually other than Pomerantz. And I just found that pinch hitting for Urias didn't make any sense at all to me. And how much do you think to back – up with Stan's point there uh, because of the double switch earlier where the pitcher was in the one hole at that right. point. Yeah, it definitely was weird, but I mean, you also, at this point, and this is this is the weird thing about the World Series, too, is that we play two different sets of rules depending on what ballpark we're in. Yep. The Dodgers are used to this kind of thing. I mean, I'm sure there were multiple situations during the regular season uh, where they got into a lengthy game and ended up having to pinch hit a, 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 a starting pitcher who was maybe due to go in a couple of days. I mean, that's something that, that these teams maybe are not used to, but are at least more familiar with doing. Um, I don't think that that would have been the case for the Red Sox. You know, that, that they're in a situation where once they use their position players, that's who they've got, and those guys are out there. I mean, I thought it was wild that we saw Eduardo Nunez um, <laughs> yeah. sacrifice his body on about five or six different <clears throat> plays and look like he was uh, ready to be carried out on a, in a, in a body bag at some point, but, but he had to stay in there because they had no one else. Right, but you know him going into the stands, that's one of the key plays yeah. in that game because yeah. it allows the runner to go from first to second, and he winds up scoring a tie run on the next play. Oh, you know, 100%, and yeah. him hustling down, you know, to, to first base and sliding into the bag there to, to get that run at one point. I mean, it was, uh, you know, he was diving all over the place. The, the, the play where he, uh, you know, for some reason – had to come over the mound and make the catch because yeah. uh, Evaldi wouldn't step up and make, yeah, it, make yeah, it himself. He trips, over the, he trips over the mound to catch the ball, yeah. By, by yeah. the way, Jerry Krasnick uh, tw- retweeted something. I think it was Major League Baseball put out or somebody that cited the rule because uh, Joe Buck and uh, John Smoltz were talking about how savvy it was for Muncie to take second base on that play. He he didn't have to do that. It was mandated by the rule that once Eduardo Nunez was out of play, he got to advance a base. Right. So uh, yeah, once the ball you know cleared and 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 his entire body cleared out of cleared play, out of the, that that was the case. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're talking with Andrew Stetka of uh, MassinSports.com and also uh, the Utah Street Report covers the Orioles. Uh, Andrew, we were just alluding to the Orioles situation vis-a-vis the front office uh, or lack thereof right now. 
Your thoughts on timing right now. Are you at all concerned that this is taking too long? I'm not. Um, I think this is, as you guys were, were talking about a little before, I think this is a little bit of a World Series thing. Yep. Um, they're going to wait until after that. I, I know it's frustrating for fans that, you know, teams are, a lot of teams this week are hiring managers. I mean, we saw the, the Rays and the Twins. And, and the Blue Jays. Uh, or, not, excuse me, not the Rays. The, the Twins, the Blue Jays, the, and the, Reds. the Rangers. And the, Reds. The, 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 the Rangers and the Orioles are only teams that haven't signed, uh, hired a manager yet. Um, so there's, there's, there's been managers popping up here and there. And, um, obviously the Orioles want to get the, the executive position filled and, and kind of go from there. I, I would think, um, so there's a, there's a, there's still a lot to be determined, but I'm not really worried. I mean, as we know, the, the off season doesn't really start until the beginning of November, which is in a couple of days, but there's still time to get all of this done. It's, I think it's more of a, a PR worry than an actual worry at this point. I would agree with you. I mean, look, uh, you know, when when things fall apart the, the way they did, I think fans would have liked by July the 1st to have all this stuff settled. Who was going to be the executive? Who was going to be the general manager? Who the new manager would be? But in the grand scheme, I wrote a piece this week called The Grand Scheme of Things. That's what the Orioles are looking at now. They're not worried whether the moves they make – on October 15th or October 31st are going to really impact 2019. They're looking at the big picture now, and there's when you do it that way, the hurry is not so much there. And I think the big thing, too, like I said, from a PR standpoint, is fans just want to know who's in charge and who's making decisions. And, and at this point, I don't know that a lot of fans are familiar um, with with the names that are doing so. I mean, obviously the fans know about Brady Anderson, but I don't think anybody really knows exactly how much of an influence he has in the room. I think there's definitely an influence there, but what, what percentage of the pie is it? Um, not a lot of fans are familiar with Brian Graham's name. Um, you know, not a lot of fans are even really all that familiar with uh, the Angelus brothers and, and kind of what their whole motive is in this um there's still just a lot of questions from ownership on down as to what direction this is heading and um and how long it's going to take to to get to that final destination do you have any gut feeling i have a gut feeling who i think that they're going to end up circling in on do you have a gut feeling as to who you think might be really in play right now as the uh president of baseball operations, and then the GM? I really don't have a gut feeling. I think there are still a few names out there, and, and this is part of the weird thing, too, that I think fans are a little unsettled about, is simply that there hasn't been, either either the Orioles aren't, you know, aren't really out there making a lot of, of, of moves or, 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 or creating a lot of rumors, or they're just keeping them really tightly you know, tightly knit and close to the vest. There have not been a lot of leaks about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've heard names like Ned Coletti and, and Kim Ning and, uh, and Ben Charrington. And there's been a lot of rumors about all these folks. I, you know, I can still think that for, in some crazy world, Brady Anderson is a candidate to just take this job. Um, but, but th- th- there's, there's certainly a lot of names out there still. And I, I don't think I can hone in on one. Um, I don't know if there's, you know, there's a favorite at this point. Well, do do you think that Brady, and there's been a lot of rumors and speculation that he was pretty much the head point guy on the Mesa brothers that uh, the Orioles obviously struck out on? Right. I mean, do you, uh, I mean, 
you know, what's your thought on that and just to him being a part of that? Because he's taking a lot of heat, you know, if that was the case. So, again, I think more so than – this is a similar, similar answer to the previous question. More so than an actual problem, I think that that's more of a PR problem. I don't think anybody really knows what the Mesa brothers – um, or uh, who, who was the third, Gaston, the third the pitcher? pitcher. Yep, Gaston. Gaston. I don't. I don't think anybody really knows what these players are going to be. No. No one. Look. No one. Uh, you know. No one north of Washington D.C. has has seen these players play on a consistent basis and really knows what's going on with them and or, or, or how good they're going to be. We're, we're talking about guys who have some scouting reports written on them and, and are well thought of by uh, by some. Some, some scouts that, that no one really, you know, pays that much attention to. Right. These are just the names that were brought up that, that everyone kind of said, well, these are the guys that are going to be good. Uh, we don't really know whether they're going to turn out being a Yoannes Cespedes type or even a Henry Arudia type or, or something less than that. No one knows. So striking out on these guys, yeah, it's a problem, but it's more of a, a problem on perception uh, than it is on reality. Uh, and, and, and maybe it does turn out that, that one or, or two or all three of these guys uh, end up being good major league players and that the Orioles did strike out. Well, that's what happens when you don't have a, um, a structure in place to really go out and, 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 and make a firm uh, pitch and offer to them to, to get them in the organization at an earlier standpoint. Or, or, really, uh, and, and or, Orioles, or really even have great scouting on them other than just showing up at the showcase. Correct. Yeah. When you just show up at the showcase and you, you've heard that these are the guys to watch, and um, you know you can have the most money and, and, and the most you know resources in that way, in terms of the international slot uh, bonus money. But 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 that's that's kind of all that 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 you have in, at that point. You don't really have the knowledge or the or, or have done the groundwork to, to make things happen, and and the Orioles paid for that. But like I said, I think that's more of a a problem on perception than anything else. Um, the Orioles can get by that. I, look, whether that was Brady Anderson doing or, or someone else's, you know, the Orioles can get past all of that. They just need to they need to build from the top down and, and really figure out who's making who's calling the shots at the top and and who uh, where the power structure goes from there. Hey, Andrew, let me ask you this: Back to the World Series a minute, and we, we've been talking about some of the uh, more. Uh, remarkable performances, if you will, but just the way of Nathan Navaldi has pitched throughout these entire playoffs. I mean, where did this come from all of a sudden? <laughs> well, he's kind of always had that in him. I mean, we saw flashes of it back when he was with, uh, with the Marlins. Right. And then when he went to he the was Yankees. originally a Dodger prospect traded in that famous trade with the Marlins. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, when he, I, I remember when the Yankees got him, uh, what was it? 2015. Uh, and he spent a couple of years there. I really thought, wow, this is going to be a guy who, uh, is the top of the rotation guy for them for a while. Um, and then, you know, he, he didn't seem to pan out quite like they wanted to, they moved on from him, but, uh, he's been, he's been phenomenal. I mean, the guy throws, you know, right around a hundred miles an hour. Uh, we, we all knew he had that, that much of a heater. Um, and then can, can throw that breaking ball that, that just fools hitters. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been impressive to watch. I, I've kind of really enjoyed the way that Alex Cora has used him through these first three games. Obviously the way he pitched last night was, was fantastic. Um, despite him having to take the loss there in the end. But, um, I thought the way that he was brought in for games one and two was really impressive and, and really aggressive. And, and that's the way that, that managers have to 
uh, have to manage in, in these types of series. They've got to be aggressive and, and they've got to, to, to grab the other team by the throat when they get the chance. And, and right. Cora has done that to this point. And while they don't have a 3-0 lead, they, they're still in a really good position uh, in this series going forward. It's, they, he's, they're in a good position, but I'm really concerned because we're sitting there watching the game last night, and the more that game went on, the more you felt like it more was a favor, in favor of the Red Sox as opposed to the Dodgers. Uh, but uh, now that the Dodgers win that game, I mean, from a pitching standpoint, the Red Sox are probably in worse shape than the Dodgers are. Well, what what, what makes you feel that way? Because I felt the whole time last night like the Dodgers were, uh, and maybe this is just because they were the home team. They had the last at bat, but well, uh, I never really felt like the Dodgers were out of that thing. Oh, I never, no, no I, I never felt felt that they were out of it. But there came a time where you were saying in each bottom half of the inning that they need to win it now. They need to win it now because. Regardless of what kind of shambles the Red Sox pitching staff is in, if they win that game, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you my. Sure, I'm sure, going to give true. you. I'm going to give you my take on why I think the Red Sox could be in a little trouble, and we we may find out tonight they'll win the game and they'll be out of trouble. But if I had the Chris Sale that I've seen since mid-August, mm-hmm. they need a big performance out of Chris Sale. They don't just need a. Sort of, they need him to be to give them a Walker Bueller type performance, and I just don't think he's up to it right now. I think that shoulder is not a hundred percent. I don't think it's. I think it's about eighty-five percent. I don't think. Well, he's, that's, that's certainly the case, but they also will probably need to score more than two runs in eighteen innings in order to win the game, too. I mean, you, you look down the box score last night, and there's a lot of offers uh, from from big name players in that lineup, um, and 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 that's you know. That, that that that's that's credit to Walker Bueller and, yep. and that Dodger bullpen, um, but it's also you know you go on the road and and are playing in a different environment now, um, uh, and and you've got to step up and win a win a road game or two here to to keep yourself in it. Um, credit credit the Dodgers for not falling down three zero and really making this a uh, uh, the uphill climb of all uphill climbs for themselves. But but you're right. I mean, Chris Sale does need to come out tonight and. Uh, and, and perform well if, if it, it, it turns out that that's the guy they go with. Do you think they um, will go with him tonight, or do you think they'll hold I, him for Game 5? I don't know. I think even if they don't start with him, I certainly think there's a possibility you see him. Like I said, these managers have been aggressive with who they've thrown out there. Um, maybe they do you know, open with him with, with, for an inning or two. Uh, maybe they start with Pomerantz for, for two or three innings and then go to Sale. I mean, there, there's, like I said, there's a number of ways that, that, that managers are, are utilizing their pitching staff these days uh, to get through certain parts of the lineup um, and, and get through, you know, one rotation of the lineup or two rotations of the lineup. Um, so I think the, the possibilities are endless at this point. It's all hands on deck, though. I mean, they, they threw out, what was it? Uh, I'm looking at it here now, nine pitchers last night. Each team used um, nine, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, everybody's going to have to, you know, I, I think I definitely think that obviously that guys like Evaldi and, and Bueller are off the table, but everyone else. I mean, it, look, guys, there's only four games left in the season, right? Uh, at a at a max, Every, all hands are on deck, and and whether or not they use Pomerantz or use Sale, um, you know, everybody's going to be available either tonight or tomorrow night um, going forward. That's just the way it has to be at this point. Now, I haven't read this column yet, but the headline from the Boston Globe right. there is a column. Mm-hmm. 
and it says Nathan Navaldi's uh, Game Three relief appearance was one of the greatest in World Series history. No question. And 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 the person who posted this on my timeline. Uh, a friend of mine from Baltimore Radio, and also I worked with him at uh, WTOP, Sean Hall. Mm-hmm. He says, my vote for World Series MVP, MVP winner, winner or lose, is Nathan Navaldi. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he's been fantastic. He threw 97 pitches last night. As I said, he was he was touching 100 on the gun uh, late into that game. Um, and, you know, so, when you, that's the other thing, too, with the Dodgers and, and why I never felt like the Dodgers were out of it. As long as they had another at bat and they could kind of continue to string Evaldi out, um, they they eventually you know they eventually got one on him. Uh, the, the other run wasn't really entirely his fault. Um, it was an unearned run, of course, on the air by Kinsler in the uh, what was that the thirteenth, I think. Yeah. Um, so I mean, he, he's he's pitched phenomenal. There's no question about it. And and like I said. The fact that, that, that he came back after pitching in the first two games as well and then put up uh, six innings of relief and, and you know, threw almost 100 pitches. I mean, only Walker Bueller pitched longer than Nate Evaldi did in that game yeah. last night. Um, it, was, it was really impressive to watch. Funniest thing about that game last night was watching behind the plate after every inning. The only person that didn't stand up was Larry King. <laughs> it was Larry King, yeah. I saw yeah, him stand I mean, at one point in yeah. time. For about two minutes. But it was in the 15th inning, yeah. Well, at that point, he just looks like he's about 95 now, doesn't he? He was was probably tired out from watching Mary Hart, uh, you know, a couple seats down from him. Well, that'll do it. (laughs) Yeah, I would have been exhausted watching her as as, as into the game as she was. I tell you what, I don't know what you guys think about that, but I think that's so cool to see uh, all the celebrities out there. I mean, Jason Garrett, the Cowboys coach, was out there last night. We always see uh, the actor Rob Lowe at these games. I mean, it's 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 not quite uh, Jack Nicholson at a courtside at a Lakers game, but uh, but it's it's pretty cool to see uh, the the celebrities uh, and the media personalities uh, turn out for these these events. Hey, just one last question for you because Craig and I and um, and Kyle got into a little argument about this earlier. I questioned Dave Roberts' decision to put Kenley Jansen in in the eighth inning, thinking that his his uh, his mission was to go out there and get the last six outs of that game. I thought that that was a poor decision. I would have gone Baez and Jansen. It's Craig's opinion that had he gotten through the eighth unscathed, that Baez would have come out for the ninth. Do you think that's the way that Roberts was playing it? I certainly think it's possible, and i got to be honest with you, I don't remember what part of the order that they were in there. Uh, for, well, he for, was facing, for, for, Jansen faced the 7, 8, and 9, or, or 6, 7, 8, because Brad, Bradley hit a two-run home. Right. And then right, I think right. Vasquez so it would have was up back after. to the top shortly thereafter. Yeah, yeah I think that's possible. Um, but, I mean, I, I also think that when you're in a situation where you have a lead, you're, you're, you're probably still trying to use as few pitchers as possible to get yeah. through the game. And if if he thought uh, Jansen would be able to get the sixth outs, he probably would have stuck with him. I'm sure yeah. he would have had a, a, a guy ready to go in case of uh, a, you know, a, a, break, a break in case of emergency type of pitcher. But um, but I certainly think it's plausible that Jansen was 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 trying to go the full two innings there. Um, but right. you know these guys have all got to turn around real quick and 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 get back at it tonight. So and it'll be fun to watch. Bradley's was a solo home run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You said two run. No, I didn't say. It was <laughs> yes, two you run. did. No, I didn't. <laughs> I said, I said he faced the two guys before him. I said there were two outs when he hit the home run. I didn't say it was a two-run homer. 
Kyle, play the tape back. Play the tape back, Kyle. (laughs) Hey, Andrew, thanks for getting up so early. We really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you as events warrant over the next couple weeks. Hey, how's Jen and the kids? Jen and the kids are great. Everything is is going well out here. All right. Craig's proud of you. Craig's Craig's proud of you. All right. I'm I'm proud of him, too. All right. (laughs) Talk to you soon. All right. Join. Team up for one and help children with challenges by attending the third annual Sports Leadership Awards Bull and Oyster Roast on October 30th. That's this week. The night will honor UMBC men's basketball coach Ryan Odom and raise money to help children with disabilities. For information and tickets to the Team Up for One Sports Leadership Awards at Valley Mansion, go to teamupforone.org. That's teamupforone.org. And Craig, uh, let's tell our folks a little bit about the Costas Inn because I know you were intimately involved till about three thirty in the morning last night. <laughs> you can so, go to the. Do you Cost- have a cot there and a shower? No, I do not have a cot there or a shower. Okay, but they used to have a jukebox on the wall there. Yeah, and there were some nights where Nick and I would spend until five in the morning. <laughs> You are crazy. But anyway. You were there until the end of the game with We Nick. both were, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. Great specials all week long. Uh, Stop by any Friday night at 3 o'clock in the morning, and Craig Heist and Nick Triantopoulos will be right there. there absolutely. All Watching right. baseball or football. Hey, great food. Great food. Every night of the week, there's specials Crab, Monday through Friday. Crab cake night on Monday, ribs on Tuesday. Steak on Wednesday. Steak night on, on, on Wednesday. Lobster and on lobster, Thursday. Right. So it's Monday and, through Thursday. Right. And, and as Nick said, I said, well, what's the, what's the so, thing on Friday? And he said, I think he just kind of throws it together, <laughs> meaning Pete. <laughs> So, anyway, 4100 North Point Boulevard, great place. Take great the family. Friends, yep. Great friends. The cost is in. So I'm what you'd call a regular at Chick-fil-A. I go a lot. And if you are too, then join the club, the Chick-fil-A One Club. When you get food, you get points. And when you get points, you earn free stuff, like more food. Breakfast, for example. Yep, breakfast. There's an egg white grill on a multi-grain muffin with cheese that's not only delicious and healthy, but it now earns you points. Buy anything, get points. Order through your Chick-fil-A app, get points. You're going to Chick-fil-A anyway. Why not get free stuff for your efforts? Join Chick-fil-A One online or through your app. And while I've got your attention, please remember Chick-fil-A catering. It's a real live crowd pleaser. In fact, order twice as much as you think you'll need. Trust me. Go see Steve at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Tell him I sent you. If you need help downloading your app, don't ask Steve, but he'll know someone who can help. Chick-fil-A One. Get food. Earn more free food. Join Team Up for One and help children with challenges by attending the third annual Sports Leadership Awards Bowl and Oyster Roast on October 30th. The night will honor UMBC men's basketball coach Ryan Odom and raise money to help children with disabilities. For information and tickets to the Team Up for One Sports Leadership Awards at Valley Mansion, go to teamupforone.org. That's teamupforone.org. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back at halftime and post-game for every Baltimore football game. You can react live with us on Pressbox's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime, and he's joined by the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, post-game. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all of the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Pressbox's Project Game Day. Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports. 
Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Steve Ginsburg takes a look at Baltimore basketball legend Juan Dixon, now in his second year of trying to resurrect the basketball program at Coppin State. Plus, we celebrate the 35th anniversary of the 1983 Orioles, honoring the unlikely heroes that helped bring Baltimore its last World Series title. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. This is former Terp AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled Uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. And we are back with the bat around Stan the Fan and Craig Heist. We want to remind folks that are uh, watching us on Facebook Live to please like us and share us, okay? Kyle, are you good with technology? Uh, adequate, adequate enough. The I mean, last two weeks I've come in here and I've gone to share this and sure. somehow I'm switched over to only me. I can fix And that. I cannot figure out how, I, I've done it before, but the last two weeks I can't figure out how to I th- take it up. Next, right. I should be able to fix that. All right. Anyway, joining us right now is somebody who is one of my favorites around these parts. He's uh, on each and every pregame show for the Orioles. Throughout the uh, 2018 season, he was around 17, 16, and I think 15, and that's Ross Grimsley. Ross, how many years have you been doing this now? Hey, how you guys doing? I'm, we're doing great. Is it longer than great. that? Is it? No, uh, 14 was the last year I was coaching with the Giants. So it's 15, then, uh, 16, so you've done yeah, four it was, years. It was the winner, I think the winner of uh, 15 that uh, I was offered the uh, – uh, the opportunity to do it, and it's been a lot of fun. I've had a great time. I'm working with some great people that make it really easy for me. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. Really enjoy it. Us broadcasters have a tendency to do that. Just make it easy on the ex-players. <laughs> really? You have to do that. Got to do it. Well, maybe Bob Haney does that. I don't know about Craig Heist. I, <laughs> well, work with him. I work with him every Saturday, and he doesn't make it easy for me. Yeah, until, until he says to me, Ross, hey, man, I'm going to be out this week. Can you do the show? <laughs> right. Uh, well, you have to have an able and capable fill-in. That's right. Uh, Ross. Um, so I have no idea why he chose me. <laughs> there's really not a whole heck of a lot to talk about in in the way of the Orioles right now. I mean, we could no. push, we could push yeah. you to talk about who you think is going to get the job and this and that job. But tell me what you thought of um, – what you think of this series right now. Oh, it's uh, – well, I, I like Boston. That That's one of the things uh, mainly because of uh, – the way they hit, uh, their approach, uh, starting pitching has been uh, one of their strong points. But the uh, the bullpen now, 
and you got two, uh, Porcello and uh, Valdi in the bullpen, and they've been outstanding, as the other guys have too. So that has really been a surprise that they've been thrown as well as they have. So uh, last night's game, I made it to the 15th inning. That was the best I could do. And uh, then I fell asleep. But uh, So do you know who it, won? It was something uh, no. how Boston pulled it out. <laughs> <laughs> Home run, home run. So that that was uh, that was pretty exciting. I figured I'd wake up this morning and they were still playing. Yeah, it was so, quite uh, possible. It looked like. Oh gosh, it was something. But a lot of excitement in the game. There was a lot of good plays. There, there were some some bad uh, bad plays as well. So let me. Uh, but it, yeah, go ahead. Let me start with the Boston Red Sox. If you were uh, Alex Cora's pitching coach, who would you be advising to start tonight? Uh, good question. I mean, it's uh, probably a left-hander, and uh, I would think that uh, you look at who threw the the least left-handed was probably uh, Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yeah. So I think I mean it's going to be tough. The next two games is going to be tough for uh, for all of them. But you would so have, that, that, you you would have to think tonight that Chris Sale factors in one way or the other, either as a guy who comes in in relief for the starter, uh, maybe pitches two or three innings. Uh, uh, but I I would think maybe Chris Sale starts this game tonight. It's uh, very possible. I mean, uh, it, you know, it's a uh, it's kind of a all all, uh, all hands on deck type thing. But Chris Sale, and then then you got to be careful with him too because he is not he's not Chris uh, he's not Chris I don't Sale. Think, he, he's a hundred percent, I believe. But uh, as far as his command, and you watched him pitch the last game, he was up and away quite a bit. He just didn't have the stuff command wise that you. Uh, uh, would like to see, so it, that's uh, something that would be concerning. But I, I think that little uh, spell he had on the DL with his uh, uh, shoulder, I think he, you know he's, he's he's coming back. But uh, I mean, you gotta be you don't want to rush him out there too quick uh, because you just don't know. But uh, I, I imagine that if he's in, he'll be in for not not a real long time. But they got to be careful with him. I, my guess is Eduardo Rodriguez starts tonight's game, Correct. and they hope they hope to get like four out of him, and then get all the the usual suspects of Barnes and Hembry and Brazier in there. Uh, right. I, I don't see Pomerantz unless the game's like five six to nothing. Exactly. I don't think Pomerantz gets into the game. Right, I, I do too. I mean, the like you said the. Uh... The uh, all the guys that pitched last night for both sides, the Dodgers and the uh, the Red Sox. Uh, I mean, who whoever pitches tonight is not going to be able to pitch tomorrow in most so, cases because it'll be three days in a row, and they just don't. Uh, there's not many guys that can do that. So let I, me, all, also, it depends on the the pitches you throw, and uh, you know, and how the game is actually. Now, let me jump in with one possibility with Sale tonight. In my opinion, I think if the Red Sox are say up. Two to nothing, three to one, and you get through seven innings. I could see them attempting to give Kimbrell a night off and and asking Sale to lock down this game, and then he'd be ready for game six or seven to start if they needed him. Uh, is that how you would approach it, or would you try and I, you get know, by? It, would you try and get all, by entirely without Sale tonight? I mean, it's like I said, it's all hands on deck. I mean, and they're they're going to check with the pitchers how they mm-hmm. feel, uh, and obviously they're going. Oh, I feel great because I mean the adrenaline is going, and you can pitch probably every day. Uh, but I mean, they have to they have to be smart. They have to watch and, and talk to them, and hopefully get some honest answers because you don't want to run somebody out there that 
you're going to end up uh, hurting them and stuff. And that they'll be no good to you the rest of the uh, series. And possibly if you, they get hurt, something could, you know, couldn't pitch next year for a, a, maybe the whole year or a limited amount of time, they'd be off. But uh, you have to check with the pitchers. You have to check with the catchers uh, what they see. And then you've got to use your eyes as well, uh, you know, how he looks and stuff. So there's a lot that goes into it. And just to, to speculate, I mean, we can speculate who may who may pitch and who uh who may not and how much it's just there's a lot of things that go into it that uh, that they're uh they'll check into that, that we you know probably won't know about now as a former pitcher how much did you appreciate the play by kenta maeda uh as he fields that bunt and turns to throw to third base and gets the force that that was i, t- I tell you what in this day and age now uh and i'll just give you a little stat in the in the 70s and 80s uh Fifty percent of the errors by pitchers were throwing errors. Mm-hmm. So now, in this uh, the last, I guess from the nineties to now, uh, seventy-five, almost eighty percent of the errors by pitchers are throwing errors. Mm-hmm. So for him to bounce off the mound like he did, and uh, it, it's something that, uh, that I mean, the speed of the ball, the speed of the bunt uh, dictates where you're going. He was he reacted great, turned and made a great throw. So that that was very. Uh, you just wish you saw more people, uh, pitchers do that type of thing, make better throws, field their position. But again, uh, in this day and age, they don't work on that as often uh, as they as they should. But uh, my head of what he did that was just fantastic. Great play. Hey, we're focusing a lot on what the Red Sox should do with their starting pitching. <clears throat> Uh, on the other side of the uh, of the field is the uh, Dave Roberts and his pitching coach Rick Honeycutt. Uh, Rich Hill is scheduled to start tonight. Is there any way you would consider bumping Hill for Kershaw to really try and grab the momentum of this series? It's uh, again. Uh, I mean, they need to win. You know, so uh, so who I'll gives see. them the best chance to win tonight? Hill. Well, it's I would. Uh, you know, I think Kershaw needs his uh, his rest, uh, his full his full uh, you know time off. Okay, and, and I wouldn't because he's a guy that uh, you know. I mean, when he's when he's rested, it all comes down to command. You know, and, and hitting your spots. He's not an overpowering pitcher anymore. He you know he changes speeds a lot. Breaking ball is a, is a big pitch for him. Getting ahead, uh, he got hurt with balls that cutter slider he throws. He got hurt uh, throwing that. Yeah, the, the cutter basically. You throw a, you throw a cutter in the middle of the plate, it's going to get waffled. You got to keep it on the corners and off the plate. And if you don't, uh, he got hurt several times uh, with that the last start. So I, I think it's I think he needs his full okay uh, full time off. So you'd pitch him but, game. But, but you'd again, pitch him. You'd but, pitch him game five, and then in relief in game seven. Yeah, depending be. exactly depending on how far he goes in uh, in game five, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think I mean you almost got to do it, but again, it, it's all hands on deck. Yeah. And if he can, uh, if he can help again, you have to check how's your arm feeling. And, and I think he's a you know he'd be a pretty honest guy. But again, you got to use your eyes. You got to you got to talk to uh, uh, you know other people involved, catchers, and, and how's he how's he throwing? What do you think? Blah 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 blah, and get information and make your decision. Now you played for a guy who always said. You know, your 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 momentum is your next day starting pitcher. Now that said, last night 
and I brought this up earlier, I thought that the more that game went on, the more it favored the Red Sox. Number one, they've got the lead already in the series. Number two, uh, you know, the, the, the Dodgers need to win it and win it as quickly as they can. But now that this thing went 18 innings last night, and, and and the bullpen and the pitching staff in general for the Red Sox in total disarray for Alex Cora, it'll be very interesting to see what happens tonight and whether or not that was as big a momentum shift as as you know it could be with the Dodgers winning that game. I, I think you're going to see a uh, you know some runs scored because obviously the guys uh, are you know I mean again. Uh, Adrenaline plays a part in this too, and uh, you know it's. Uh, I, I really think that uh, you might see, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of pitches, a lot of deep counts, uh, a lot of a lot of balls squared up because the command might not be as good as uh, it is when they get their their uh, full rest. So it. it uh, I mean, with the hitters on both teams, especially the Red Sox, they uh, they swing the bat and they hit. They hit with two strikes. They hit with uh, with two outs and runners in scoring position. They've done a great job of uh, of that during the uh, the postseason. So uh, I looked to see that. But the the Dodgers with uh, with Puig and uh, and and you don't know what Manny's going to do. He could do anything, but right. uh, uh, you just don't know. <laughs> but the Turner's a guy that uh, and Bellinger. There's two guys that are you know pretty sneaky, and I tell you. Everybody has trouble getting around on 98 to 100 mile an hour fastball, but uh, I don't know if you're going to see guys uh, humping it up that that uh, uh, that hard tonight. So I, I think the next couple nights could be some runs scored. Hey, last thing before we let you go, we've been talking all over and around this. One of the things, at least on the internet last night, that uh, had a lot of buzz. Uh, Walker Bueller is not 20, not 21. He's 24 years of age. He pitched an absolutely brilliant seven innings. If you're the manager in this day and age, are you sort of going analytics be damned? Uh, My gut is he can still pitch. And would you have tried to send him out there in the eighth? Or were you content? Yeah, exactly right. Again, you have to see what, uh, how he's throwing in this guy for me. He was he's 24 years old. He's got some great stuff. And I'll just give you a little side note here. Yeah. Uh, Gaston, the uh, the Cuban pitcher, yeah. 16 years old. Yeah. Uh, a source that told me that was down there said this guy looks like a Bueller mm. before he went to Vanderbilt. Wow. So I I, I think this uh, Bueller is a uh, he's an out a great delivery, great arm, has an idea how to pitch. And I tell you, one of the things. Uh, that he did that shows uh, he's in control of what's going on. That runner took off. Yep. He stepped off, made a perfect throw to second base. Uh, young guys, rookie players, rookie players, you you do that drill, and balls are flying everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. They're all over the place. Dave. But he's uh, he's under control. He has been very impressive. He was impressive uh, uh, during the season when he pitched, and in the playoffs he has been uh, – and he got, uh, I think he got knocked around about five runs, I think, in one of his starts. But he bounced back. Uh, I'm really impressed with this guy. And this, Big time. this is the guy we let uh, Tampa Bay get in front of us. For. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Just uh, another move, another questionable move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's all about the grand scheme of things right now. Oh, friend. yeah. All oh, right. yeah. So, somebody wrote that. I can't. Ross, yeah. I, I'll talk to you soon. We, I wrote that this uh, the other day. That yeah. That's what the Orioles are about now. They have to uh, hey, put, they have to push it down the road just a little bit until we get the right people really? in place. You know, exactly. Hopefully, right. they make yeah. those the right sooner, decisions. The sooner, the better. They get some people. I mean, it's yeah. uh, you just kind of scratch your head. Uh, we go, what's going on? But you need a, a president, you need a GM, and you need a manager. Yep. So the sooner, the sooner the top and, is taken care of. And Ross Grimsley and Ross Grimsley is pitching coach. Yeah, <laughs> that ship sailed for the big money. For the big money. <laughs> Right. I, I don't even want that. Ross, I don't want that aggravation. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you very right, much guys. for coming Take on. Take care of you. All right. We're going to make our connection with Mike Gibbons of the Babe Ruth Museum in just a moment. Right now I can tell you, though, Press Box's Project Game Day is back at halftime and post game for every Baltimore football game. You can react live with Glenn Clark or Sarita Hubbard on Press Box's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime, and he's joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard postgame. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill while they have ton, where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports, Press Box Project Game Day, facebook.com slash Sports. And that is a little plug there for tomorrow's uh, show, which, again, will be on at halftime with Glenn Clark. Then after the game, uh, it'll be with Sarita Hubbard and Glenn Clark. They do about an hour after the game. Also tomorrow, 10 to 12, Ken Zalis, Sarita Hubbard, and Mr. Kyle Ottenheimer will be here. Indeed. Yep. We can tell you that Nick Triantafilos did get out of bed this morning. and he We, we have joined, a report? We, well, no. He, he has joined us on our Facebook live feed. Oh, so he is, my He is watching... God, I wish we had a mirror where we could see through that, what he looks like in the morning. That's a scary thought, isn't it, (laughs) after he spent time with you? All right, joining us right now is my good friend, uh, former executive director. He's now executive director emeritus of the Babe Ruth Museum. He also serves on the Maryland State Athletic Hall of Fame committee with me, and that is Mike Gibbons. Mike, how are you, my friend? Doing great, Stan, Greg. How are you? Voices. Yep, you know Craig Heist is here with I us. I do. Uh, did you stay up till the end of the ball game last night? Absolutely. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Not hardly. No. What My time? goodness, seven hours and change. That's uh, I don't know. If that's not a record, it's close Se- to it. Seven hours, twenty minutes. Yeah, they set a and record for eternity. I yeah. don't see that one being broken anytime soon. And I felt sorry for the uh, the fans because they had to stay. <laughs> Because it's really important, you know. It's been an important game, and but uh, that's that's uh, well in Los, a- in Los Angeles. They never feel that they have to stay. No, in but fact, they always are trying to beat the traffic somewhere. Well, and that's the whole thing. If you see a regular season game at Dodger Stadium, and the and the cameras pan out in the parking lot in the seventh inning, and yeah. you saw nothing but nothing but tail lights, right, right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a different world out there. So. Uh, well, but anyway, let's talk a little uh, bit about our world. Uh, we've yeah, got man. you've got an event coming up uh, with the Sports Boosters of Maryland that you're jointly holding, and the date of this event is November the fourteenth, Wednesday, November the fourteenth. Tell us a little bit about an evening with the 1983 Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, well, um, you know we've had a pretty rough year uh, baseball wise here in Baltimore, and. 
And as this year was kind of moving forward and you could see, uh, you know, the, the depths of this whole thing, we were looking for something to kind of raise <laughs> the fans' spirits around here and realized it was the 35th anniversary of the um, Orioles' 1983 World Championship season. And so we set out on a task to try and uh, get as many players together uh, to reunite them and, and celebrate that, that terrific year. And we've got 16, 16 um, uh, from that team coming in, along with other assorted VIPs to uh, make for what should be a, an absolutely marvelous evening. And one of those extra guys, Brooks Robinson, oh. uh, Brooks, he'll be there, and any time he shows up, it's uh, that, that's noteworthy. And uh, so anyway, but some of the guys we have coming in, uh, Singleton, Jim Palmer, Tito Landrum, who is that remarkable home run in the ALCS against the White Sox, and uh, Scott McGregor, who won the, the final game of the World Series. Benny Ayala is coming in. Both Martinez's, Tippy and, and Dennis, Richie Dower, Gary Renicky, um, Eddie Murray will be there. So uh, it's a it's a it's a nice group of guys, and they, they seem really up for it as well. I, I don't think they get together all that much, obviously. So. Um, but, uh, yeah, we are partnering with the Sports Boosters of Maryland and uh, have never worked with them before, but we're having a terrific time, um, you know, working with them. Gary, They've been around since 1953. Gary Lennart's huh? a, ter- a terrific guy, the president. Yeah, he really is. He's got huge passion and energy, and he brings that to the table every time that we have a committee meeting or whatever. So, uh um, you know, they've been around. They know how to do this. They honored Fred Mann for last November, had yep. a great evening there. And uh, so we've done a few of these ourselves. And, and Stanley, as you know, you'll be part of a, part of the evening, uh, as well as guys like Michael Lesker and Jim Henneman and, and uh, Richie Dubroff and, and uh, just, uh, just a bunch more who are going to give us an assist with this thing. And there's a, a special guest coming in. And uh, I got a call from Williamsburg a couple of months ago. And the guy by the name of Al Clark had heard publicity on this thing. And Al was an umpire, some of you may recall. And mm-hmm. he umped, he was a home plate ump for game three mm-hmm. of that 83 World Series. So uh, he's a spark plug of a guy, and I'm sure he's going to bring a lot of energy to the table. Game three was the one that Palmer won in relief, correct? That's right. That, and uh, that was his last win. Last win. Last um, win, and then it made him... Uh... Uh, the pitcher that uh, winds up winning uh, World Series games in three different decades, sixties, seventies, yeah. and eighties. That's, That's right. Current. And 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 he beat uh, you know the the loser in that game was Carl, Carl another yep. Hall of Famer. Yep. yep, yep, yep. So you know that's uh, that's pretty good. Storm Davis is another uh, another pitcher that will be joining us that night. T Bone Shelby. So there's a great cast of characters, and and uh, we're really excited to do it. So we hope that uh, we do have a few tickets left. The tickets are going for 150. Dollars a piece. They benefit the uh, Babe Ruth Birthplace Foundation. Helps us to carry out our mission uh, to uh, support and uh, uh, celebrate the legacy of Babe Ruth, uh, the Orioles, Ravens, all Baltimore sports. So that helps us, and it also helps the sports boosters uh, who donate annually to a variety of children's causes. Some of them sports related, and some not. But uh, the boosters are doing great community work. We hope that we are as well. So this is a this is a good night. What do you what will actually take place the evening? And first of all, where is it, and what time is it, and how can people get tickets? Well, it is going to be at the Renaissance Hotel, which is 
uh, right right there at Harbor Place, mm-hmm. um, across across Pratt Street from it. It's a terrific venue. If you have not been there, uh, beautiful ballroom, great VIP room, beautiful view of the Inner Harbor. Starts at six o'clock on the fourteenth of November. We'll go till about nine thirty, and inc- incorporated into the evening is about a uh, one and a half hour program, where we've divided up uh, this program into nine innings of the nineteen eighty three season. And so each inning will feature a different theme and, and, and uh, interviews by some of the guys who participated in whatever we're talking about, like the Tito Landrum home run, right? you know, and a variety of things like that. So, uh, you know, nine innings. And uh, toward the end of the night, I think we'll get all the guys up on stage so that people can take pictures. And, and it, you know, these things are also a lot of fun because uh, fans get to intermingle uh, with mm-hmm. the uh, players. Up, up close and personal. Um, so I think that that will be terrific as well. Scott Garceau is uh, the other MC along with Youth Band that evening. So uh, we're looking forward to seeing Scotty down there. He's always terrific at this kind of stuff. And then some of the uh, people who work for the Orioles, like Julie Wagner, Ricky Bansells, uh, they will be here. The team chaplain mm. is coming in. So there's a, a whole bunch of folks. Charles Steinberg. Um, who for many years toiled down here and did a great job working for the ball club and PR and special events and things like that. So um, you can go to our website, baberuthmuseum.org, uh, to get ticket information uh, about the evening. As I said, we do have tickets left. You can uh, take out a sponsorship and uh, get some extra privileges for that. But go on the site and you'll get all the information. Just so folks know, this is you're looking for a turnout probably in excess of 800 people, aren't you? That's right. Yeah, I mean this is a big one. Uh, and it, yeah, uh, so we're at about we're at about 700 uh, now. Right. But we're you know we're two and a half weeks out, so yeah. uh, the publicity will kick up here. Obviously, we're doing it right now, and, and that'll get people alerted to this thing. And I and just I, wanted I, to I, say, I, I, I'm not trying to be maudlin or anything. These guys are getting up there in years. This is this is the last best opportunity to glad hand and and say thank you to this particular batch of players. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, it was uh, it was really that was the end of the Oriole Magic era. It sure uh, was with Bob Bill Hagee and and all that uh, those guys. Section Thirty Four Rowdies. We'll have some Bob Bill's uh, apparel out there that night, along with the World Series trophy from that year and other memorabilia. So people will, you know, get up close and personal with with those artifacts, and you know, they help tell the story as well. That's uh, that's I think why we're in business. <laughs> you know, it really did end uh, an era that started with the '66 Orioles. It's an era of what 17 years where the team won three World Series, World Championships, one in each decade. Uh, the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and they appeared in six World Series in those 17 years. And I don't think at the end of that, when Cal Ripken sort of shook that ball, the little humpback liner by Gary Maddox and jumped up, I don't think any of us thought that that would be the last one we might celebrate in our lifetimes. It's Yeah, I know. I, I think that fans of that of that era – we all got spoiled, like we did with the Baltimore Colts. Just the, the Colts and the Colts uh, were guided by Johnny Unitas from 1956 to 71. They never had a losing season. Yep. And, uh, you know, the Orioles pretty much was the same story. They just 
were so successful, the most successful team in the majors, and and we just thought that would keep on going, and it sure. Well, for one more night, for one more night on the fourteenth of November, we'll keep on going again. Go look for tickets at baberuthmuseum.org, uh, and you can buy tickets for this event. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, and I think a lot of people are in our town. Mike Gibbons, real quick, uh, I didn't bring you on to plug this, but we've got another event you and I are both involved with on the 7th of November. The 8th. 8th, 8th. Of, I'm sorry, the 8th of November. That's right. Yeah, yeah. this is a, another really good one uh, where we are – um, we serve on the board of the Maryland State Athletic Hall of Fame, and every year they have an induction banquet. And this year, that banquet will be on uh, November 8th. Thursday the 8th, Mar- yep. That was at, at Martin's West. And uh, we're going to be inducting some uh, some big, big, big athlete uh, superstars from this town, like Buck Williams, Lamont Jordan, are going in. So uh, Mark, it, it Mark ought to Greenberg, be very special. Mark Greenberg, Missy Mahog, um, and... Uh, and our Billy friend Bonaface. Billy Boniface, uh, it's going to be a great evening. Uh, again, it's the Maryland State Athletic Hall of Fame banquet on Thursday the 8th at Martin's West. All right? Right, and pe- people can go to the Maryland State Athletic Hall of Fame um, website, and I think that's 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 what it goes by. Right. And, uh, you know, get ticket information on that, but it'll be very, very special evening. Uh, a lot of passion, a lot of emotion as these these uh, guys and girls go into the hall of the state hall of fame, which is and you know, quite an honor. Quite All an right. honor. I'll see you this Thursday night at uh, Channel Two. You're taping the TV show with us. You know what I mean. I'll be there. All right. Buddy. All right, boys. <laughs> have a good day. Later. Stay dry. All right. Hey, before we get uh, our next guest, Bill Latson, on from MLB.com, time for Craig Ice and I to talk about a place that is near and dear to our heart: Big Bats. And uh, they are Ken Island's original sports bar. I'll tell you what, at 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland, you can probably watch the big tur- the Terps game today against Terps Illinois. Game. When you watch on, Iowa beat Penn State, you yeah, can do absolutely. that. And then you can hang around and watch. You can hang around and watch the uh, World the Series, World Series but game. Just a, a reminder. And Steve that, Garland will invite you to his house. Yeah, if it goes in extra. Uh, I was going to say they're probably going to close the place down before <laughs> it gets like to the fifteenth or so. <laughs> Anyway, if you are on your way down or back to or from the Eastern Shore, there's no place better to stop, relax, and eat. Great place to watch the O's, the Nats during the baseball season, Wizards, Caps, college football, anything you want to watch, including the World Series. Sample the best bar grub around. Sandwiches, salads, soups, and subs. Big Bats, Ken Island's original sports bar. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. What's up? It's KZ. This season, you can join us for our weekly and season-long pro football picks contest at Weekly. Click the link pinned at the top of my Twitter page, that's at Fans Fantasy, and pick any five games against the spread every week. It's free to sign up, and someone wins a $25 Royal Farms gift card 
every single week. Plus, we'll have great season-long prizes as well. And check out all the other awesome games at Loop League, where you can link multiple fantasy competitions all at the same time. Join our Picks League now at loopleague.com. So I'm what you'd call a regular at Chick-fil-A. I go a lot. And if you are too, then join the club, the Chick-fil-A One Club. When you get food, you get points. And when you get points, you earn free stuff, like more food. Breakfast, for example. Yep, breakfast. There's an egg white grill on a multi-grain muffin with cheese that's not only delicious and healthy, but it now earns you points. Buy anything, get points. Order through your Chick-fil-A app, get points. You're going to Chick-fil-A anyway. Why not get free stuff for your efforts? Join Chick-fil-A One online or through your app. And while I've got your attention, please remember Chick-fil-A catering. It's a real live crowd pleaser. In fact, order twice as much as you think you'll need. Trust me. Go see Steve at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Tell him I sent you. If you need help downloading your app, don't ask Steve, but he'll know someone who can help. Chick-fil-A One. Get food. Earn more free food. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to pressboxonline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on facebook.com slash pressboxsports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer, the, the other type of football. No, no, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, Tennis? Nope. Rugby? Nope. No, just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Press Box's Project Game Day is back at halftime and post game for every Baltimore football game. You can react live with us on Press Box's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime and he's joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard post game. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all of the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Press Box's Project Game Day. Facebook.com slash Press Box Sports. Hi, it's Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer from Glenn Clark Radio. We're going to be talking a lot of Lamar Jackson on our show, but I want to make a promise right now. For those of you that tune in to Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday from 10 to noon, we will talk about something unrelated to Lamar Jackson for at least 30 solid seconds every day. Kyle, I thought maybe we should give people an idea of some of the topics that we might discuss other than Lamar Jackson. For example, we might talk about Chick-fil-A sauce. Aliens. The television program Detroiters. Jesus stealing pizza. All these things are options for for 30 solid seconds, and then we'll go right back to Lamar Jackson. GlennClarkRadio.com, PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, and watch the show Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. Craig Heist along with Stan the Fan, and uh, we have our next guest, Stan, on the line. Go ahead. And I was just sending Steve Johnson, our next guest, just a text reminding him. Mm-hmm. So then Kyle goes, come on, are you coming back on? Yeah. So I sent Steve, Stan, calling you in 15 15- to 27 minutes. Yeah. It was supposed to be 15 to 17. Okay, go so, ahead. So that so, means we're not going to have him. <laughs> no, we're going to have him, but I didn't want him. He's probably sitting there going, they're going to call me between 15 and 27 minutes. Well, right, go we've ahead. got we've got our next guest on the line. He is Bill Latson from MLB.com. And, Tremendous uh, Yankees fan. Absolutely. And, Bill, now that we're in the World Series, what time do they play tonight? The Yankees, I mean. Uh, they are out of it. <laughs> We are out of it. He got, he got you yeah. a little bit, and I, there, and, I, and I blame you for that, Craig. Well, I know you do because yeah, but I was my idea. <laughs> it was Dan's idea. I'm just as devious as Craig Ice. <laughs> yeah, he, he tells me this. He writes. He texts me. He says, right. 
I was born in 1961, which was when the Yankees won the World Series. It's my birthright that they, you know. I'm like, I don't care. I mean, really. Now, seriously, we want, we have you on to talk World Series, but also we just find out over the wire that uh, the Mets have finalized their agreement with uh, Brody Van Wagenen to become the uh, GM. It hasn't been announced ah. yet, and they don't expect it to be announced until Monday, but the reports are Joel Sherman is tweeting out, that the two sides are still hammering out the contract, but they've agreed to terms with Van Wagenen. Your thoughts, Bill? Uh, I was, you know what? I was surprised and then not surprised. And the reason I was not surprised, if you live in New York, um, especially if you go to City Seals, Brody Van Wagenen was there. Uh, I mean, it, it didn't matter if the Nationals wasn't there, you know, like, if you remember, Craig, we used to see Brody Van Wagenen every time uh, the Nationals would play the Mets. Yeah, and, and... And that was because of Ryan Zimmerman. Right, and he also represented Jim Riggleman. That's correct. Yeah. No, 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 he did not represent Riggleman. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Ryan Zimmerman. Yes, Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah. Now, does so, he live uh, in New York? Does he, is he a New Yorker, Brody? Well, I just know he's, he's, he lives here, his family's here. Right. And, uh, you know, he, he's always at City Field, uh, regardless. So I'm not surprised. I, I think um, that he probably knows everything that goes on with the Mets, probably because of Jacob, De, Jacob DeGrom, who's one of his clients. So um, I'm, I'm sure, I, I'm not surprised that, you know, in, in that sense that he took the job. Well, now you uh, did you make it through all eighteen innings of that game last night? I did. Uh, the game went off about three uh, thirty. Yeah, and uh, I was surprised. You know, I was even tempted to call my father because he was calling me the big Jackie Bradley Junior fan. <laughs> so uh, I was going to call my father, but I said I'll call him later. So uh, it was a great game, and I got to ask you guys something: Is Manny Machado? Uh, it, was he? Does he not run the bases all the time when he was in Baltimore? Yes, uh, yeah, yes, that's, yes. that's that's a fair assessment. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But the spotlight was never quite on him as much as it is now. You know, the national spotlight. Gotcha. Yeah, and gotcha. he came out, and he came out. I found it really fascinating. You talk about a guy injuring himself in a way. Uh, to come out and admit that in an interview with Ken Rosenthal that, hey, that's not my, not, cup, that's of not my cup of tea. I'm not Johnny Hustle. Uh, I just think it's such a bad optical look uh, to announce that, you know. Oh, no question about it. I, I don't get it either why, why he would say that and then act on what he said yesterday. I mean, yep. he should have had a double yesterday. It, it doesn't make any sense. And, uh, I was just curious, you know, you guys watch more than I do. I, I, I was just surprised that he did what he did yesterday. Listen, it's it's easy to to pick on the Orioles because they're easy prey right now to say they do everything wrong. I, I don't know that I would be giving Manny Machado a ten year any kind of eight to ten year contract. I've I've watched his personality. I don't think he is a necessarily a bad guy. I defended him on the slide with Pedroia as a sloppy slide. I'll even defend him on the Aguilar thing because I think he's too cowardly to have intentionally 
tried to spike that guy in his Achilles heel. I think it was just another sloppy play. I think he's got some sloppiness to his game. I'm not all that upset he's not going to be an Oriole in the future. Having said that, he's probably going to get a five- or six-year contract for some substantial, substantial money. Oh, yeah, I think he'll get the money. There's no question about that. But in terms of, I'm just wondering if teams are willing to deal with the lack of hustle. That's all. I mean, the lack just, of hustle uh, and the the arrogant personality at times. They're, you know, this this kid, he's not a real good kid. We can sit here and argue what kind of talent Jonathan Scope is. If I had young players coming up, I would love them to watch Jonathan Scope play baseball with all his warts uh, ever present. But the guy hustled, always had a smile on his face. Manny Machado's got some surly inside him, don't you think, Craig? I think so too, and uh, and uh, you know that's not to, us to just stand, defending the Orioles. To Stan's point, I'm surprised for as close as they are, yeah. that some of that didn't rub off on Jonathan Scope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So right. it's going right. to be interesting. I just don't understand what was in it for him to admit that in an interview. You know, it's one thing to say, you know. I I hustle as hard as I do. Do I do it all the time? No, but I know I should. And he even said that. He said, "I know I shouldn't do this, but I'm I'm. That's not me. It's my not my cup of tea." I just think it was really yeah. an ignorant thing to do. That was really something. Was, uh, you know, I'm I'm just glad it didn't cost the Dodgers the game. So, uh, you know, I mean, this is one game they won. So. Uh, Machado learned his lesson. Yeah, uh, let me ask you about the game last night. Uh, the longer that game went on, I was thinking to myself, if this continues like this and the Dodgers can't find a way to win it, uh, I just kind of thought that maybe, maybe as long as it went on, it favored the Red Sox more. But you know what it did? With the Dodgers winning it in the end is the fact that now the Red Sox pitching staff kind of in shambles right now going forward, and they still haven't named a starter yet, I don't think, for this afternoon's game or for tonight's game. Yeah, uh, it, it could be almost anyone. Everyone's talking Chris Sale. Everyone, it could be Drew uh, Pomerantz. could be Rodriguez. Uh, Rodriguez, yes, and uh, who, who knows uh, who could start this game. But uh, – it would not surprise me also if they had a bullpen game. Well, yeah, yeah. With the Brews. Yeah. I, I, I think that's the way they're probably heading tonight. Yeah, know. it would surprise me. Yeah, I mean, although Corey said whoever starts will be a lefty. So we'll, yeah, I think we'll Eduardo, I think Rodriguez is going to get the start. I think they're going to look to get yeah. three innings out of him you know, tonight. Yeah. And I think it's – yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you uh, – you know, to go back to Craig's point, uh, I agree with you, Craig. I thought that once, uh, you know, the, the Red Sox scored the go-ahead go run to make it 2-1, uh, to one, I thought the series was over. Yeah. I thought if the Red Sox won this game, that, hey, man, there's no way the, Red, the Dodgers are going to come back. But then, uh, you know, miracles happen, and uh, a miracle happened for the Dodgers yesterday. Well, a couple plays from that game last night uh... – uh, Ray Infusi, uh has uh, joined uh, our our live stream and says that uh, Ian Kinsler's throw in the 13th was very Steve Sachs-like. 
<laughs> well, he yeah. slipped. He yeah, slipped I know on he that slipped. Play. He slipped on that play. But the other the other play that I think is maybe one of the biggest keys in this game is the way Kenta Maeda jumped off the mound to field that bunt and uh, forced the guy out of third base. Uh, that turns out to be a really big play uh, for the Dodgers in that game. Oh yeah, no no question about it. And uh, I got I got to tell you though. Um, I think the way uh, Bueller pitched yeah. was also key because, to me, you know, they didn't use all their entire bullpen because, you know, this guy is young. Bueller is a young guy. 24, yeah. And, and usually with a pitcher like that, regardless if it's a postseason or not, he usually pitches like five innings, and that's pretty much it. But this guy went deep. So I think that was a big help uh, to the Dodgers. I, I thought Bueller was the hero of the game, yeah. even though – he was long gone by the time uh, the game ended. Yeah, well, Bueller was great, and so was uh, Nathan Evaldi last night. I don't think we've ever seen, oh, no Bill, question. I don't think we've ever seen a relief appearance in postseason history that rivals what Evaldi did. And it's it's kind of a shame. While I'm rooting for the Dodgers in the series, and I'm guessing you are too because you're ABB, right? Anybody but Boston. <laughs> Uh, yes, that too, but, but keep it, but I lived in L.A. for 10 years, yeah, so that's so, nice. Yeah, so I'm just saying, I, it's a shame that he gets an L next to his name because he pitched yeah. one of the great games in World Series history. How many towns have, oh, you, no. how many towns have you been thrown out of? L.A., <laughs> St. Louis, <laughs> Montreal, yeah. Montreal. International. Montreal, St. Louis, I lived in St. Louis for two years. Wow. Always under the name Bill Latson? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I got to tell you, I love talking about St. Louis because, you know, from a career standpoint, that was a great move. But I got to tell you, that almost killed my marriage. It almost killed it. Yeah. So uh, I'm just saying, because she hated St. Louis. All right. Well, we're my glad. wife hated St. Louis. Big and time. you're still together, right? We're still together. All right. And for, Karen, for Karen's sake, Latson should have just stayed in St. <laughs> <Saint> Louis. <laughs> <laughs> She loves the she loves his travel. That's right, exactly. She loves his travel. Uh, Bill, uh, we've got Steve Johnson. We booked him right before we got you, so we got to leave in about three minutes. Um, are you hearing anything on the Orioles front office search? Are you hearing anything at all? No, uh, not hearing anything. Everything has been uh, quiet, and, and I think uh, you know. You know, as they said, they want to get the, the GM search first. They get their manager, which I think is fair. Yep. So, um, I, I no, I have not. It's been they, so quiet. They also, so that's about it. Bill, just because you're not here and not privy to it, it looks like they are going to create a new organizational model where they have somebody like a Dave Dombrowski at the top who will be president of baseball ops. That that person will hire, or they will work together to get a general manager, and then the GM and the president of baseball ops will agree on who the manager will be. I don't. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I think that's I mean, a good structure. The boys. Yeah, I mean, the I mean, boys want very little to do with the public. Um, you know, the the puppet puppeteering of. They want this to be pretty transparent. They want baseball people. On, in charge of baseball, and I think that's a smart move. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, doing the model with Dave Dombrowski. Yep. I mean, Dombrowski is one of the uh, best guys around, and 
the way he is run, the way he runs the Red Sox has been outstanding. I mean, so if that's the way uh, the Orioles are going to do it, great idea. Hey, last question for you. Yesterday was the I think 89th birthday of somebody who's been pretty special in this game of baseball in Chicago, in Baltimore, in Arizona. Roland Heeman. Uh, your thoughts on Roland? Oh man, uh, one of the best. Matter uh, of fact, you talk about Dave Dombrowski. Yep, he started, under Ro- he started under Roland. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he he was one of the reasons Dave Dombrowski's where he is today. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, you know, excellent move. I mean, I mean, excuse me, uh, excellent uh, executive. Um, I, I mean. What more can I say? You also discovered Tony Larusa, so yep, yep. Uh, I, I have nothing but uh, great things to say about Roland Heenan. And also remind everybody that you can go to MLB.com and check out Bill's uh, Q and A uh, with Tony Larusa, which All appeared right. this super. past week. Yeah. Super. All right. Hey, Bill. Many thanks for jumping on with us. All right. Anytime. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. There you have Bill Latson. We're going to make our uh, connection with uh, former Oriole pitcher, and he says former pitcher Steve Johnson. Well, uh, I think Steve is a little young to be hanging to be him up. Hanging him up, but you know, a decision that probably, uh, when you think about him getting to the big leagues, number one, right? The amount of uh, you know, the, the the I don't want to say struggle. Maybe that's not the right word, but just mm. what it takes to get to that level. Yep. You know, and uh, maybe he just feels like he, he might not get that opportunity again. Yeah. So, All right, we welcome him on his first time on the Bat Around. I've interviewed him over on TV at Channel 2 and looking to do that again pretty soon. Um, our friend Steve Johnson, local uh, hero who made it to the big leagues. And, Steve, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Good. And Craig Heist is here as well. I'm hey, sure Steve, you know how are you? I'm pretty good. Hey, um, I just want to get something out of the way. Are you 100% resolved that your baseball pitching career is over? Yes. Yep. I, uh, you know, not, not an easy decision, but, um, you know, velocity just wasn't there anymore. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I didn't have a lot of velocity going for me in, in the first place. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you lose a couple mile an hour and, and, uh, you just, I wasn't able to get my fastball by guys enough and, um, you know, just made the decision to uh, kind of move on and uh, take on the next chapter of my life. Well, you say you say it's, it was a tough decision, and obviously, yeah, sure it was, but what was it that clicked in you? Was it just strictly the velocity thing? Uh, was that, it also injuries? Or too? injuries, too, maybe, that made you decide, yeah, I probably should hang it up? Well, I mean, it, there's a lot that goes into it, I think. I mean, uh, I wasn't in affiliated uh, baseball anymore. I was playing in Lancaster in uh, independent ball, and mm-hmm. you know that's a different atmosphere. It's it's a it's a different grind. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of good competition there. So uh, a lot of guys who can still play, they're just not you know given an opportunity with an affiliated team, and um, it, it takes a different type of you. Get, you got to really want to play when you, when you're when you're there after playing so long. Um, you know. You, getting paid at a, a decent amount uh mm-hmm. you're, you're getting paid nothing in these leagues yep. and, and you're playing and you're still away from your family and, right. and uh there's a lot that goes into it so i told myself at all-star break if i wasn't picked up yet um 
that I'd kind of rethink things and it, it just wasn't working out. And I kind of just made the decision that, you know, my, like I had to have, uh, all the abilities still there, you know what I mean? And, and I didn't anymore. And I don't know whether it was because I was trying to start again or whether it was because I had been injured the last couple of years and maybe that, you know, had a factor into my VLO not quite being there and my stuff not being as good. It's just, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it, but I just thought that the best decision was to just move on, and um, I, I accepted it. And, uh, not an easy decision, but no. uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. So what is the next chapter? Do you have it mapped out in your head, or you just know that this is in the rearview mirror and you're working on figuring out what's next? And does baseball perhaps still play a part in Steve Johnson's next chapter? Well, I'd hope that baseball is a big part of my next chapter. I, nothing is, is uh, set in stone. Um, I decided to just, you know, take a couple months off and kind of rethink things and enjoy a, a summer for the first time, probably since I was seven years old. Um, you know, yeah. I've been playing, you know, even summer ball when you're playing in high school and stuff. It, it's it's a everyday thing. So uh, I got to do a little traveling and um, just take some time off. And I think that uh, I, I want to do some maybe a little coaching or, or baseball lessons, at least to start out. I just started uh, school, mm-hmm. um, took a semester in school, and that's, that's, a, that's a whole different grind that I haven't done in a while. So, um, yeah, just a step-by-step, and, and I think that you know, baseball lessons are, are in the future and yep. um, maybe hopefully coaching uh, you know, not long after that. Is the, is the um, school thing, is it geared toward, like, are you, you know, working toward becoming a, a PT or something like that? I mean, is, are there goals with the school, or right now it's almost sort of a self-exploration? Well, I thought about that, and I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to get into, but I, I thought that uh, taking some general classes would – you know, I'd have to take them anyway, so mm-hmm. I get them out of the way, and and then hopefully gear into what I wanted to go to next. Um, I've thought about doing some baseball training, so mm-hmm. I, I thought of maybe taking at least some classes geared towards you know knowing how the the human body works and and, and that type of stuff. But I also um, have kind of wanted to get a you know business degree just in case something in baseball doesn't work out. So mm-hmm. I've kind of. Geared, you know, put myself in a good position to where I can I can maybe do both, but uh, kind of see what I like first. Maybe a class comes along that I, I'm really interested in, and I want to go in a different direction. Steve, how much did you lean on Dad when making this decision? Um, there's, I've leaned on him for a, a lot of decisions uh, over the course <laughs> of my career. It's not not very often that that someone um, gets to go to their dad that's been through the exact same situations yep. in, in pretty much every part of their life and uh you know same job same you know it's not an easy uh job to kind of deal with uh, there's a lot of ins and outs that people don't really know about and uh he went through it all so um you yeah, know that was that was a big part of of every decision but this one's a big one and he had a little he had kind of the same type of decision at, at near the end of his career and he just basically said you know it has to feel right and um you know, it, it did for me, and I kind of just, you know, there's, I just got engaged, and um, congratulations. There's just other, thank you, and there's just other decisions that were kind of factoring in all around the same time. It was like, you know, why not make uh, a bunch of life decisions all at the same time? But 
it, it, it all worked out, and I think that uh, it will work out in the future as well. Well, having been around him quite a bit, and you, I know you know this, you had no bigger fan <laughs> than Dad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's always been in my corner, and uh, and I just remember uh, when I made my debut, you know, you have all the, the highlights, and they, they show your family and stuff, and you know, he's giving fist pumps, or he's or he's having having the uh, the nervous kind of you know watching. You know, I walked the first two guys I faced, so I didn't make it easy for anybody to watch me. But uh, you know, there, there's just certain moments when you look back at like certain things and uh, seeing your friends and family, and especially him, kind of sitting there watching me and, and kind of going through the ups and downs with me. And it's it was uh, it was really special to. To, you know, have him there in my corner the whole time. We're talking with Steve Johnson, former big league pitcher, and pitched briefly for the Baltimore Orioles. Craig, go ahead. Stan, I, w- I was just going to say, I remember interviewing Dave. Yeah. When Steve, and I, what was that like for you? And and Dave was just he almost speechless. He was, oh my god. That was, yeah, he was had to be as nervous as he was. That was really a great moment <laughs> yeah. on Masson the yeah. night that that you made your major league debut. I'm just curious, Steve. Uh, I know it was only briefly, but you were drafted by one of the two teams in the World Series before you were yeah. traded to the Orioles. Did you pitch or, or play with any of the players that are currently on this Dodgers roster? I did. I, I played with Kershaw and uh, and Kenley uh, wow. Jansen. Um, I, I played with Kershaw when he was, I think, it was his first full season in uh, with the Loons, Great Lakes Loons, back in Low A in wow. 2007, and then uh, Kenley. Actually, it's really funny because he was my catcher for four years. That's right. Um, he was a probably, catcher. That's right. Yeah, he he was one of the better catchers that that I that I threw to. He could always throw guys out. He had a great arm, and he he knew uh, what pitches to call. He worked with the pitchers really well. And and I was actually he was my roommate or one of my uh, five roommates uh, in high A when they made the decision to convert him, and he didn't want to <laughs> he didn't want to convert. He wanted to go uh, keep catching somewhere and. We convinced them to just, hey, they just want you to throw a bullpen, see how you feel. And he threw his first bullpen. And he's like, I think I could do this. And, you know, a couple of years later, he's in the big leagues, and now he's that's a, you know, that's one a, of the top closers in the game. That's so. a very cool story. Uh, did you watch the game last night? I did. I watched all the way to the end. I was your, just going to say. Your thoughts <laughs> on on the the starting performance by one Walker Bueller? I mean, he 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 pitched really well. It's it's not easy to go in there. He doesn't have a lot of um, big league experience, and he's going in there in the playoffs and um, the World Series with the, with basically their backs against the wall. And it's a, it's a tough pressure situation. And he he uh, he pitched lights out. And I mean, I feel like you could say there was another starting situation that did pretty well. It didn't end for him as well. But the uh, Evaldi going in there and out yeah. of the bullpen after pitching game one and two. And then uh, going in, going into the seventh inning, basically, um, that that was impressive as well. Throwing as hard as he threw, and I, I just I just don't understand sometimes these guys go in there throwing one hundred one, one hundred two for six straight innings. It's uh, that, that hurts my arm just thinking about. it. I was just going to ask you, as a former pitcher, and you look at these guys, wouldn't it have been nice to have ninety nine or hundred in your back pocket? <laughs> I think about that all the time. Uh, I had to do it at you know eighty eight to ninety, and and that was uh, I felt like I was blowing guys away sometimes doing that. So I can't imagine having another ten mile an hour thing. <laughs> hey, I, I went to Ted Williams baseball camp in nineteen sixty seven, and we got a chance. Some of the campers we went to talk to Ted one night, and we spent about an hour and a half with him. 
and he and he was you could tell it was like that with the speed of cer- certain pitchers. He was talking about how everybody felt sorry for Mickey Mantle and his legs. He goes, God damn it! He goes, you you give me his legs, even with all the pain. I would have hit 400 every year if I could run that fast. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what's even better, too, is to see Tony Gwynn, the yeah. late Tony Gwynn. Yeah. Just have go watch videos of Tony talking about meeting Ted Williams and ha- the discussions on hitting that yeah. they had. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, now your thoughts on the opposing dugout. Have you ever seen – you've watched a lot of baseball and you've been a part of a lot of baseball – that performance by Nathan Eovaldi may go down as perhaps the greatest relief appearance in the history of the World Series. I mean, it was it was really impressive. I you know, it's kind of tough. I don't really have too much of a rooting interest. I'm just enjoying watching the game, so I think it's sometimes a little easier to appreciate certain things. But that was uh, you know, you kind of just hope that he would be able to get the win for it or, or something. I mean, yep. he almost did, but. Uh, it's just it's so his stuff was so good it's been so good throughout these playoffs actually you know throughout the last probably half of the season he's had a really good year um but i just impressed on how how much they laid off really good sliders and they're throwing 95 mile an hour sliders and they're just taking you know right on the corner i feel like they're they're more getting fooled and and just not seeing the pitch instead of making really good takes i I just don't understand how some of these guys lay off the pitches they do. I mean, for as lights out as he was, I just think that they've just started taking pitches just to say, hey, let's let's just try and take a walk, maybe get in a good count. But uh, he, he was really impressive. I know you're getting ready to head out with your your family and head out to the, um, the game at College Park. Real quick, are you following this World Series close enough that you would venture a guess on who you thought Boston would start tonight? Uh, I mean, I would think that maybe they'd start Pomerantz. I, I I don't know though. I mean, they pitched almost everybody last night. Yeah. It felt like okay. I don't know exactly uh, who was supposed to start. Um, I haven't been following it too close. But I think I, you know, I think Eovaldi was supposed to start tonight, and then they right. said they sort of made that decision in midstream last night, let's go with this, and we'll start him again. Now, knowing pitching the way you do, when would you think he'd be available again? Well, he basically pitched... 100 pitches. 20, yeah, 100 yeah. pitches. I mean, he's, he's... I would say that he could probably come back... Um, I, I would... Game, I don't think he comes back before Game 7. Okay. I don't think... I don't, I don't, I don't think he can. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it depends. It just depends on how how the the rest of it shakes out. I mean, he might say, "Hey, I'm good," or "I'm good for an inning," or yep. something like that. Um, you know, for like game six or something. But uh, it all depends on feel. I mean, he's pitched in every game so far, so it's right. just kind of they're gonna have. And he's also he's had some arm problems in the past, so. I don't think they want to go too overboard with them, but it's yep. going to just be up to him. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of the series. Enjoy the game today out there against Illinois, uh, Maryland, Illinois. I'll drop you an email reminding you to see if that date for TV is good. Okay, Steve? All right. Perfect. Thanks, Thanks for very me much, and the best of luck to you in all your future endeavors. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. There we have Steve Johnson. It's going to be very interesting to see where Ovaldi winds up next year. I think he's on a. He isn't he on a 
Oh, this was the second year second of the two-year year right. contract with Tampa. Walk year, yeah. This is his walk year. Yeah. I, I wouldn't surprise me if the Yankees make a big bid for him. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's pay a couple bills. Uh, one of our favorite places to talk about is that'll clearly, have to come. That'll have to come from your wallet, not mine. <laughs> all right. One of our favorite places to talk about is the Costas Inn, located at 4100 North Point Boulevard, in the heart of Dundalk. Yep. And uh, great specials throughout the week. Monday and night is crab cake night. Crab cake night. Tuesday is ribs night. Ribs night. Wednesday is steak night. Steak See, night. I always know steak. I know. And Thursday is lobster because right. my wife always likes. And the if lobster. you're if you're like a regular, you might be able to hang around until four in the morning and watch a World Series game, yeah. and also. Grab a couple of crabs that were left that somebody didn't take home with them. You had a couple of crabs? Yeah. Are, are they in your well, fridge now? They're in the fridge right now. Right here? No. Oh, down in Laurel, not oh, here. Right. Damn it. I think Suzanne may have eaten them nah, this morning nah. for breakfast. She's, she's out of town. All right, anyway. Oh, it's a pleasure trip <clears throat> for you. I had a friend of mine. He said, his friend of mine who passed away, his son did his eulogy. He said, my dad had some sense of humor. I call him up. He says, oh, you caught me. I'm on a pleasure trip. Uh-huh. I didn't know you were out of town. He goes, I'm not. I'm taking your mother to the airport. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, um, the Costas Inn, located 41. There's never a place you can do a, a, a punchline of a joke in the middle of. 4100 North Point Boulevard, the Costas Inn for great crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and a whole lot more on the menu. Suzanne's brother is in town or was in town. Yeah. They're going up to, to Pennsylvania today. Yeah. And I said to him last night, we went there for dinner after she picked him up from the airport. And I said to him, "Yeah, I said, I don't know how big you are on seafood. Right. But one of the specials was the prime rib last night. And mm. I said, if, if you're a steak guy or if you're a meat guy. Yeah, they have great steaks there. Prime rib was outstanding last All right. Night. Hey, also wanted to tell you the latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Steve Ginsburg takes a look at Baltimore basketball legend Juan Dixon now in his second year of trying to resurrect the basketball program at Coppin State. Plus, we celebrate the 35th anniversary of the 1983 Orioles, honoring the unlikely heroes that helped bring Baltimore its last World Series title. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm Store. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. If Steve Ginsburg shows up at a Capitals game, yeah. You Watch can, out. No, you can count on overtime okay. or a shootout. Okay. It's because guaranteed. Guaranteed. All right. We'll be back with a few final words on today's program right after this. Join Team Up for One and help children with challenges by attending the third annual Sports Leadership Awards Bowl and Oyster Roast on October 30th. The night will honor UMBC men's basketball coach Ryan Odom and raise money to help children with disabilities. For information and tickets to the Team Up for One Sports Leadership Awards at Valley Mansion, go to teamupforone.org. That's teamupforthenumberone.org. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. 
latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Steve Ginsburg takes a look at Baltimore basketball legend Juan Dixon, now in his second year of trying to resurrect the basketball program at Coppin State. Plus, we celebrate the 35th anniversary of the 1983 Orioles, honoring the unlikely heroes that helped bring Baltimore its last World Series title. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Matt, we normally come on here and tell everyone, go listen to Second 336 and just to take our advice to go listen to 336. Instead of us telling you why we're awesome, let's have other people tell you why we're awesome. This person says, definitely a bunch of Oriole fans who just want to be able to buy playoff tickets. Section 336 is the greatest Baltimore Oriole podcasts around look forward to listening every week these guys are coconuts and if that's not enough reason to listen they are a great listen if you want orioles talk even during the off season if you're lucky they might even talk about the ravens josh Matt, and bert are a must listen every week check section 336 out for yourself on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts what's up it's kz this season you can join us for our weekly and season-long pro football picks contest at loop league click the link pinned at the top of my twitter page that's at fans fantasy and pick any five games against the spread every week it's free to sign up and someone wins a 25 dollars royal farms gift card every single week plus we'll have great season-long prizes as well and check out all the other awesome games at loop league where you can link multiple fantasy competitions all at the same time join our picks league now at loopleague.com and we are back for a final word or two on today's program good good program today andrew stetka started us off ross grimsley came in then we had Mike Gibbons on to talk about the evening with the Baltimore Orioles, the evening with the 83 Orioles. Uh, and then we had on Bill Latson and just finished up with Steve Johnson. Absolutely. He was great. kind of our closer. And I Johnson. said to you about halfway through, I said, yeah, look, this, this hour or two, just flying by, and it did. Yeah. Well, when you got five what guests. When yeah. you got the, the best producer in the business over there on well, the board. Well, you, know? you know, that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> we could just get Brittany to have, have <laughs> talk as deep as Kyle does. <laughs> that is Brittany. Evans. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't take his uh, hormones yeah. this week. Um, anyway, uh, we will be back uh, next Saturday, as far as we know. And by that time, the baseball season of 2018 will be in our rearview mirror. Absolutely. And uh not not a good year for Orioles fans, obviously. Nationals were a disappointment this year, uh, but uh, some pretty good playoff stuff. And uh, it's always fun when this time of the year rolls around when you get postseason baseball because you, sometimes you get games like you get last night. And that's why I always tell people it is the greatest game in the world because there is no clock, 27 outs, or I until somebody – now, could you imagine that game last night? Until somebody wins. Could you imagine if they said, okay, it's after the 10th inning, we're yeah, going to have a runner on second base yeah. to oh. start the inning? Terrible. I'm throwing Terrible. a shoe through my yeah, television. Exactly, exactly. Um, who's going to win the Redskin-Giant game tomorrow? Uh, 
you know, it would not surprise me one bit if the Giants come up with a good effort against the Redskins. The Redskins, however, should win that game and go to 5-2. and two. What do you make of the Ravens coming off a tough loss, traveling to Charlotte, where Carolina's pretty good? Oh, Why yeah. are the Ravens favored in this game? You know, uh, Isn't Nick, that a head Nick, Nick, Nick Triandopoulos and I were talking about that very subject last night. Uh, it's really weird. The folks in Vegas obviously know what they're doing all the time, uh, but it's a situation where they're a good home team. I think a lot of it depends on that tomorrow and just which Cam Newton shows up. And he's a little banged up. He's a little banged up, but he put up 17 points in that fourth quarter against yeah. the Eagles. He wasn't came... too banged up. Right, he wasn't. Yeah, exactly. So, again, Ravens need to go down there, try to get some semblance of a running game going. And, uh, again, this defense, for as number one ranked as it is, it still gave up the lead against the Saints last week. And they give up 17 unanswered seven, points. Yeah, 17. Yeah. And the other part about it is if they have to chase Cam Newton around the field yes, t- tomorrow, it's going to be a tough deal. All right. So you're, you're, you're not going to make a pick in that oh, game. I'll, I'll make a pick. I'll say the Carolina Panthers win the game. All right. That's fair enough. Fair enough. When are the uh, Caps due back? Caps are due back uh, next week, and uh, they got one more game on the West Coast trip. And the Wizards are out west, and, and then they west. got Memphis. They're not home till like, next weekend. Next right? week, yeah. All right. I think it's going to be a long season for them. I don't like what I'm saying. Well, I mean, they... I don't like they don't. They don't have. They don't have a rim protector right now. So when they go small, rebounding yeah. is a real big issue for them. Uh, and I'm not ready to say it's going to be a tough, tough year. But I'll, I want to see what happens when Dwight Howard gets back look, in the lineup. Look, I like Wall and Beal individually. I like both players. That it was so symptomatic of the Wizards last night to watch Beal take the ball, dribble, make moves, and then he goes to make his move, and he and the boy dribbles the ball. How did you knee. watch any of that Wizards game with the Warriors? during a commercial break? I oh, really? Went over, yeah. Okay. A very key moment. They were down. They closed it to like 109 to 108 mm-hmm. or 110, 109. They got the ball with like 14 seconds to go, and he's dribbling and he's making his – never looking for a teammate to see who I can get an easy shot to. And he knocked the ball off his own foot. Terrible. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Kyle Ottenheimer, many thanks for being here. Absolutely happy to do it. Kyle will be here tomorrow. Thank, from Thanks 10- a lot, Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brittany. You're Kyle very, will be welcome. the cameras tell this story. Uh, Brittany, I mean, excuse me, is Brittany in tomorrow? Or no, it'll in? be me. Okay. Kyle will be in with Ken Zalis and Sarita Hubbard tomorrow from 10 to 12 with the Fantasy and Reality Show. And then from uh, 10 to 12, Monday through Friday, this guy, this yeah. guy will mm-hmm. be producing the Glenn Clark Show and being sidekick. Indeed. Yeah. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Thank you.